welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you were telling me about something I really wanted to hear more about because I don't understand it, and it's called hurry sickness, and that's like H-U-R-R-Y. Maybe I should say it really fast. Hurry sickness. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're if you're feeling hurried and sick, is that what it is? What what is it? It's not quite that. Apparently, and this is I'll say this is some a, a new phrase for me as well. Um, apparently, it's the uh, something that is a phrase now to describe people feeling constantly under pressure, like they need to make the most of every moment because there's so much to get done. Also, like time urgency, constant time urgency. And oh yeah, it, like every startup founder I've ever met. <laughs> that's right that's right but it, the thing is it, it, it's something i came across today and it was amusing i had a a, a colleague i was talking to and um, he told me that there's this hungarian phrase which is something it means something like um i don't have time to get on the bike you know so you can imagine someone pushing a bike down the street and you're like well why don't you get on it it'll be faster it's like oh, i don't have time for that <laughs> so ah, i get it okay I was confused, but it's like you have a bike with you, and the question yeah. is, why don't you use the bike? Or maybe you're even pushing a car. Why don't you get in the car? That that's the idea, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the. I think the the the, the one is that there's the behavior of like not taking the time to make things better, and then there's the psychological. Uh, thing that prevents you from doing it. And I think that's what identifies her is that feeling. Now, uh, um, it just feels like, oh, there's there's no change possible because I need to be doing all of these things. Um, and and, and it, what struck me about this and why I thought it might be a good topic is that this is a really, I think, common problem. Certainly, I talk to people and they're often saying about how busy they are. In fact, that feels like that's like the socially acceptable response now. Well, how are you? I'm, oh, I'm really busy which is probably a sign of something not quite right in our culture. And, and at the same time, then, Imagine giving the opposite response. That, oh, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. really lazy. Nothing's happening. Uh, I've just been lying around all day. Well, it's great that you say lazy is the, is the opposite, as opposed to, no, actually, I have plenty of free time because I've really planned my time well. I've really prioritized. Mm, and, um, yep. and now I, so I have slack. But it's, that, <laughs> but that's not where our mind goes. It's, it feels normal to, to be busy. And I think there may be some cultural element to this because there are cultures in which giving that response would be more acceptable. But the U.S. and the U.K. particularly seem to have more of this busy culture. And, of course, you're in the U.S. and I'm in the U.K. There, uh, what is it? The, I think it's the Swedes who have uh, FICA where they, they take a break in the middle of the day. We know the, Me the um, Spanish-speaking countries have siesta. Um, uh, there are countries in which uh, – and cultures in which – taking a break or um, uh, sort of re re um, renewing yourself is taken more seriously. I, I, th I think this may be cultural. I'd be interested to hear from listeners who, who have a, 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 any evidence on this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be especially here about how it comes into the business culture, because that was the context we were coming, we were discussing it. And, and the, the context in part was, well, we're at, at kind of the boundary of our OKR process, you know, kind of starting with a new one. But part of our process normally is to say, well, what are the lessons learned from last quarter? But there's also this tension that comes up about like, well, do we have time to go spend thinking about lessons learned when we have to get started on all this stuff? You know, there's, there's, there's this pressure about what we want to accomplish. And, and the temptation is to let go and let slide those things that focus on learning improvement. And I think it's because it's not certain what the benefit will be. Whereas the 
the idea that, well, I can go and do something now that I know needs to get done feels very satisfying. Yeah, it gives an immediate payoff. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and there, the, there's actually a real danger here. You taught me uh, long ago about a concept called near enemies. I think this is one we should try to put in the show notes if we can find a good link for it. It's a Buddhist idea, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. The, the, and it's the idea is it's something you have a virtue, but then there's a near enemy is the thing that masquerades as that virtue, but isn't that virtue. So something like maybe compassion, and instead you, you're like, well, it's, it's, the near enemy is pity. So compassion would be like, you know, you suffer, I suffer, I can, you know, we, we uh, have compassion for that. But pity is like, oh, you suffer, that's too bad for you. You know, I feel sorry for you. That's not quite the same thing as compassion. Exactly. And there's kind of a near enemy here. I'm not sure what, what, where the virtue is, but the, the near enemy is, uh, I guess, the virtue of taking action in a real emergency. So uh, imagine that bike situation and imagine there's a bike thief who's, who's coming after you on foot. <laughs> And uh, you have a kickstand and a, a, a pannier to put on your bike and uh, the brake is on and maybe uh, a bunch of other things. And the police station is uh, 15 meters away. It would probably be good to push your bike really fast to the police station to avoid the bike thief. And my, my hypothesis is that, that we all evolved in environments in which um, bike thieves and, and lions and, and other dangers were present. And so I think our, our brains evolved in such a way that uh, taking actions that are suboptimal in the long run to preserve your life in the short run made, made a heck of a lot of sense. And the people who didn't do that stuff got eaten by lions, so they're not around. <laughs> and the problem is that your tech team is probably not about to be eaten by a lion. Yeah. So if your engineers are reacting in a way that uh, – um, uh, deprioritizes improvements that are right there in front of them that, that are relatively near term but not immediate then you might suspect that they're falling victim to this hurry sickness to this um, what, what is the Hungarian phrase um, I don't have time to push the bike I don't have time to get on the bike yeah exactly and then I think that the, the part that's challenging is that there are times, like you say, when when there is real value in getting something done quickly, getting something done today, um, and and I think that in a sense, when you have had some success with that, some some gotten some value out of, hey, well, maybe we can get something done, and we can get this in front of clients, and we can get feedback, and we can learn, and there's kind of this idea of, you know, being very, uh, you know, rapidly uh, iterating. Once you kind of had success with that, then it becomes tempting, I think, to continue on that. And it, and it, it's not like your motivation is bad. And it's not like you're, what you're describing isn't real as a possibility. But it's hard, I think, to have balance uh, to say, are we, do we have the right proportion here? And I'm a big fan of rapidly iterating all the time. But that doesn't mean that you can't also rapidly iterate and get a lot of feedback and also reflect on how to improve and take advantage of things that are in front of you. You know, I evaluate companies all the time and I, I evaluate them and they say, yeah, we just didn't have time to update this library that has a security vulnerability. And I think, yeah, that's like <laughs> saying, you know, my lock is busted on my front door, but I don't have time to call the locksmith. I'll just leave for work and hope nobody steals anything. That, that's um, uh, optimization that isn't a real optimization. You're not getting better iterations if you uh, get all your data stolen or, or uh, taken by ransomware artists. 
Uh, and the thing I, is, it might be reasonable yeah. for a day, you know, for a yeah, day. Like I exactly. might say, you, you know, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call the locksmith today. And I think that's reasonable. But the question is, if it's a week from now and I still haven't called the locksmith, <laughs> maybe I need to say I have a problem. Yep. So the uh, we always like to give specific actions for um, uh, our listeners to follow. So if you're encountering this kind of um, always short-term thinking, it's not just, just once, because I'm a big fan of, of taking a, a little crunch and a little push and getting something uh, done for a customer so that you, you show real value. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a team that's sustained and under pressure. It's been pushing the bike for miles and miles and miles, and they, they, there's a bike that's right there, like, let's upgrade the database. Let's add some tests. Let's improve. Uh, let's meet some customers. Yeah, I, actually, there was a debate. I forgot this, but there was a debate on my forum uh, uh, st- simulated by a very well-meaning, very smart CEO who I just thought was, was missing the boat. Um, and he, he said, you know, I've got engineers who are doing a really great job. I've got product owners who, who give them really great information about the customers. They're not really experts on the customers. They're not in the customer group. And Squirrel, you keep saying this strange thing to me. You say they should go on sales calls and they should answer customer service questions and things like that. Wouldn't that take them away from writing code, which they're already doing really well? And that was a perfect example of having a bike right there. He's a small company. It's easy for those uh, engineers to meet customers. It would have a very near-term but not immediate payoff if engineers met customers. And he couldn't see it. And uh, I I think I got him at least thinking about it after our debate on on the Squirrel Squadron forum, which uh, I really enjoyed. But it's sometimes very difficult to get people that I'm working with to even uh, have a look at their calendars to clear time so that they would then have time to think about clearing their calendars. Um, Right. (laughs) um, uh, Jeffrey, you've seen me do this. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's ironic because I know you experience clients. So I've worked with you and you've seen, you know, clear up time on people's calendars and suddenly they're much less busy. But then you have people say, look, I don't have time to work with you, Squirrel, because I'm so busy. And it's like probably the first thing you would do is help them have more time. Precisely. And and that's and would take some investment of spending a little time with me getting on the bike. Right. And and changing what's in your calendar and maybe creating some short term pain of disappointing some people about uh, having too much on your calendar. And, and this happens to tech teams. This happens to people who are not in technology. It's a very common challenge uh, to do this um, short-term optimization for a long time. And, and I was leading toward this. I think the the thing that our, our listeners might look out for is someone who's making the push the bike choice, not just today, not tomorrow, but for uh, days and days, for weeks and weeks, for months and months. And if you see that consistent pattern, that's the time to step in and to say something like, hey, maybe you can get some help here clearing your calendar. Maybe you could uh, uh, disappoint one customer and maybe they'll even leave us, but we'll get the team on track so that we aren't maintaining two versions of our product. We'll have just one. That's the sort of thing that our listeners might do. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the question of saying, if we're, if, if, what can we do to make the situation better? You have to be asking that. To me, that's the that's it, absolutely essential. And if you say, "Well, we don't have time to get better," 
ever, then you're never going to get better. And that's, that's, that's going to be a, a failure. And in the thing about this topic, and I, and I think I want to come back to this for a moment, is th- that there are times where you are legitimately under pressure for some period of time. And I think it's worth saying, if you believe that that's the case, it's still worth saying, what are we going to do to compensate for that? What's going to change? What are we going to, what are we going to make different to accommodate the fact that we're under tremendous pressure right now? And I know, Squirrel, you personally do a good job of this when you know that you have a, a very pressure time. You look to make adjustments to say, what am I going to do different to kind of recuperate and recover from this as opposed to saying, well, I'm going to continue until I collapse. I, I do my best. I'm, I'm having a tough time right now, but I appreciate your, your kind words about it, Jeffrey. I do try to book rest days with no client calls and things like that. But Jeffrey, uh, let's leave our uh, listeners with one more thought, which you shared with me. You actually use a spreadsheet with your family. And, and I think oh, that's yeah. <laughs> a very interesting approach you might, you might share if you're willing to, that uh, helps you to do a better job than me, frankly. Yeah. So my, my older daughter and I, we have a weekly check-in and um, the idea is that we kind of describe it this way, that we have a s- personal systems, you know, that, that we're trying to do and implement uh, just for our own selves and sanity. And the the check-in is kind of a moment of accountability. And so one of the things I've been tracking for a couple months now is my sleep. So how much sleep do I get a night? And and you, Squirrel, know that my uh, sleep schedule is a bit odd. Um, I'm based in California, but my uh, four-day-a-week job is in um, in Europe. So I get up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> to start calls at 5 a.m. every day. And it's always tempting to stay up a little bit later at night and cheat and get a little more time with the family or friends or whatever. And and any given night, that might be okay. But over time, how am I doing? So I have this spreadsheet where once a week I fill it in and look at the facts and say, how am I doing? Am I getting enough sleep, uh, among other things? And that becomes a way to kind of hold myself accountable. Okay, maybe this week was hard. But if I look at it and say, oh, okay, this week I was a little bit short and last week I was short and the week before I was short. Okay, it's been three or four weeks. It's maybe it's been a month since I had the right amount of sleep. Okay, that's clearly a sign that I'm... I'm not uh, living the way I want. I need to make a change. And so I'm pushing the bike for miles. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. I've been pushing this bike for far too long. Look at the spreadsheet. I have a way, I have a system in place to let me know that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing the bike and I need to, I need to find a way to get on it. And that's, I think the idea of having some sort of feedback mechanism to, to trigger that, to hold myself accountable. And is this really a one-off emergency or have I sort of normalized deviance? Uh, is 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 the idea, and I think that's a, is a useful idea that other people can look for. How can I know that we're following a sustainable process versus just uh, you know hurry, sick, pressure, pressure, pressure all the time? There we go. I think Jeffrey may be the only uh, father in the whole world who who holds one on ones with his uh, his daughter, but um, <laughs> they they seem to be effective. So um, maybe maybe I'll try something similar with my family, and we'd sure encourage listeners to tell us their struggles with hurry sickness and pushing the bike. Uh, do Do you agree with us? Do you think that uh, this is something you'd like to do, but you you have trouble doing it? Maybe you don't agree with us. There's certainly some people, say, in the games industry who uh, believe in uh, 12-hour days, um, seven-day weeks, uh, and crunches for many years, and um, they produce some of the most exciting games in the world. Are they right? Well, we'd like to hear from you, and the best way to get in touch with us is to have a look at agileconversations.com. There you'll find not only our email and Twitter and probably five other ways to find us, but also free videos, our book, which has a whole chapter on normalized deviance, and 
lots of other material that's uh, uh, available from us. So uh, always happy uh, when people get in touch with us. It gives us great podcast material. The other way to keep in touch, of course, is to come back next Wednesday when we'll have another edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grant.